Welcome to the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Brian Russell. Happy 2022. I'm so grateful to have you as a listener, or if you're watching this on YouTube, as a, as a watcher, listener of, of my content. Have a great lineup planned for 2022, and I hope we can go even deeper into the things that matter most to us, uh, deep spirituality, uh, leading well from a missional perspective as we seek to be ambassadors of God's abundance to every person that we meet. And also, I hope to have enough biblical scholars and theologians and philosophers on that we can engage some really deep content and some deep questions so that we can be Jesus's hands and feet and mouthpieces in the year to come. So again, welcome. Welcome to Deep Dive. Today, I'm going to do a solo cast, and I want to share some of my key lessons from 2021. One of the gifts that we can give ourselves, and if you haven't done this already, I would encourage you to, is give yourself the gift of looking backwards to see where you've come. I'll say more about that later in the episode, but I would really encourage you to go back over 2021 and what were your key lessons? What did you learn? That's particularly true if you ran into some challenges. What were the lessons you were able to draw off of the challenges and the obstacles that you overcome? So let me talk a little bit about what some of my key lessons were. Because I have to say, 2021 may go down as one of the very best years in my life. And in particular, December of 2021, I experienced some really deep breakthroughs that I'm, I trust I'll be able to carry with me the rest of my life uh, and had some freedom from some things that had been binding me, some past traumas and just not being able to deal with particular parts of my past, but I got some real freedom from that and some healing, and I hope that carries on. And what was interesting about that, going into 2021, my word for 2021 was going to be reservoir. Bernard of Clairvaux talks about the need for spiritual leaders to serve as a reservoir, meaning that we're filled up to the brim with God's grace and that when we serve other people, it's the overflow over the banks of the reservoir that goes out to others so that we're not depleted. And so in a sense, the gospel comes to us on its way to someone else, but we're filled up and we avoid burnout. We avoid essentially deforming ourselves by doing the, the, the work of God. And the opposite of a reservoir, according to Bernard de Clairvaux, would be to be a canal or a channel. I think in the, if you live in an urban area and you're listening to this, it would call it a storm sewer. In other words, too many of us live the Christian life or even try to serve others as canals or storm sewers. In other words, we get the rains come in and they flow right through us. So like if you're a pastor, you have just enough to get through the sermon on Sunday, but then you're literally depleted. And many of the rest of us, if even if you're not a pastor, you know what that means. You're always depleting yourself. And Bernard de Clairvaux gives the warning. The scriptures tell us to love our neighbor as ourselves. But sometimes the temptation is we love our neighbor more then we love ourselves. And when we do that, you're going to always be at a deficit. So my goal was to try to be a reservoir, to become a reservoir. And again, we'll let the Lord judge ultimately if that happened. But 
what I want to encourage everybody is uh, through a, a mix of contemplative practices that I use, centering prayer, uh, journaling, really deep spiritual conversations with others, I was able to actually open myself up more just in December. It's been about four or five weeks ago to some deeper experiences of God's grace that literally feels like my heart has gotten bigger. Again, I don't want to give a too big of a testimony in case this ultimately doesn't stick, but I felt like I really had a deep experience so powerfully that I would almost say that December 2021 was maybe one of the greatest months I've ever been alive. And so I want to give thanks to that. And so I come into 2022 with even more motivation to be of service. Now, my word for 2022 is going to be surrender. And I'll talk about that as we move through this. But one of the first critical lessons that I picked up in 2021 is the difference between essentially knowing the path and walking the path. The difference between clarity and certainty and the role that those things play in our lives. And I, this struck me through my coaching, working with leaders who, who again, because of the COVID-19, have had their lives over, over disrupted, overturned, the normal ways that we've done as simple things as gathering as the people of God, let alone going to some event outside or in a, going to a restaurant, all those things have been turned over and the illusions that we had about certainty and clarity evaporated. And that's put us in this context of uncertainty and almost chaos as though we were ever really certain about what was really going on. And I heard this marvelous story. I think I heard this from uh, Peter Enns in one of his short videos, but I did some research on it and, and verified that this is a true story. It's a story of a uh, Jesuit philosopher named John Cavanaugh. Taught for a long time, I believe, at St. Louis University. But back in the early 1970s, when he had first gotten his Ph.D., and he was you know, moving up in the Jesuit order. He had to do a one-year uh, service mission as part of his training. And he selected to go to Calcutta to work with Mother Teresa. And this was before Mother Teresa had won the Nobel Prize. So she was known, but she wasn't uh, as well known as she is when you say Mother Teresa, say today. And so he gets to Calcutta and he gets to observe immediately Mother Teresa's ministry, and he gets drawn right into the work that they did there in Calcutta. But in over the course of that year, it became time for John Cavanaugh to make an, his next decision. Does he stay in Calcutta? Does he go back to the United States and you know serve in a parish, or does he take a position at a university? And he had several good options and opportunities that would have lined up with his vision and his calling. And so he had the opportunity to speak with Mother Teresa about his dilemma. What should he choose? And he asked her, would you pray that the Lord grants me clarity? Seems like a reasonable prayer, but Mother Teresa said, no, I won't pray that you have clarity. I've never had clarity in my own ministry. And now this took Kavanaugh 
back. Here's Mother Teresa. She's given her life to serving uh, the sick and dying on the streets of, of, of Calcutta. And here's this woman saying, this famous woman who's going to be a saint at some point, saying, I've never had clarity in my ministry. But then she added, what God has given me is trust. So I'm not going to pray that God gives you clarity. I'm going to pray that God gives you the gift of trust. And as I've pondered that over most of 2021, I think that's a powerful word for us today because, again, our world, you know, no one's ever knows what the future is. We sometimes pretend like it's just going to stay the same, but we know that things happen. What God, I know, needs from me, and I'm going to guess God also would desire this in you, my listeners, is that we stop waiting for clarity in our lives and instead trust in God's providence, in God's guidance, and trust that God is going to give us that next step that we're going to need. One of my sayings that I'm going to take with me into this year from 2021, and I got this right at the end of December. It was part of like this healing insight that I that I had that the Lord really worked that God had done had done in my life. It's simply this: is that what I need to do every day is say to myself, "Today is the first day of the rest of my life." So I'm going to trust. I'm going to surrender. And I'm simply going to walk the path that's in front of me. And I'm okay with that ambiguity because there's, again, there's multiple paths that we could take in any given day. And we, we have to trust enough and surrender to being fully present to allow God to guide us just in our next step. Remember Psalm 119 talks about, you know, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Sometimes we get the imagine that, that that means it's like being on the interstate with all kinds of high-powered lights, so it's crystal clear where we're going to go. I don't know about you, but I've noticed that in recent years that path has more has been has seemed more like a, a bank of fog, where you can just see enough to take the next step. I'm committed next year to just surrendering to that reality, and then I'm going to take. The advice that one of my mentors, friend of the podcast, actually one of my long-term friends, Dr. Bob Tuttle, says. Tuttle said one of the keys to life is simply showing up, paying attention in the moment, and recognizing that God has way more invested in every interaction that we have. So today is the first day of the rest of your life. You bring all the wisdom, all the lessons from your past, but today's a new day. It's the first day. It's almost like being born all over again today, but you get to show up. I get to show up with 52 years of life, but I'm not going to be tied to the past. I'm going to focus on taking that next step, trusting God, surrendering, and walking 
the path that's in front of me one step at a time. I invite you to do that with me today. So that was a key critical learning, letting go of the need for certainty and clarity and really embodying trust and surrender and simply taking that next step. Because here's why that ends up being kind of a superpower insight. There's plenty of people in the world, and you hear their voices all the time, that claim to know what's going to happen, right? That's when things get kind of dangerous, right? We have to always be open to the surprising new things that God is going to do, right? Because there's a difference. Today, as I'm recording this, it's, um, it's, it's epiphany. It's the day, you know, my, my friends in, the, uh, in, uh, in Puerto Rico have three kings day, right? Whether they're kings or whether it's three or whether magi, it doesn't matter. But, but one of the powerful things is when the magi show up in Jerusalem, they don't know what's going on. They're just following the star that they saw and they sense that it's a signal that the king has come. <laughs> Excuse me. Our text says that Herod and all Jerusalem were disturbed by what they said. And what's fascinating is what do they do? They call for the biblical scholars to come and they say, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Well, the biblical scholars know exactly where the Messiah is supposed to be born. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. They quote from Micah chapter 5. So they know. But if you know the text, they don't go to Bethlehem. They had a false sense of certainty and clarity, but they don't ultimately take action. It's only the Magi actually walk the path and go to Bethlehem one step at a time. And it says that when they saw the child, they worshipped him. So let go of your need for clarity and certainty. Trust, surrender, walk your path. Another lesson, and this comes from strategic coach Dan Sullivan. He's a leading coach for entrepreneurs, but he's got these great mindset tools that I think have a deeply spiritual application. Uh, he and Benjamin Hardy published a book in 2021 called The Gap and the Gain, and this is one of Sullivan's more well-known tools. But he talks about the problem with a lot of Achievers, and I would say this is a particular problem among spiritual people, is when we're seeking to follow Jesus, when we're seeking to be faithful, when we're seeking to live out our calling, we want to be Christ-like. And all of us know that irony of the sort of the closer you draw to God, the more our own imperfections show up because we're always going to be in need of grace, which I'm going to say more about later too. So the problem sometimes is we can get really frustrated spiritually at the gap from where we want to be and where we sense God is ultimately calling us to. Again, as, as a Methodist, as a Wesleyan, I love the doctrine of holiness of heart and life, perfect love, entire sanctification, this idea that we can grow into persons who can truly, authentically love God with our whole heart, all that we are, and then love our neighbor as ourselves. So when we think about growing in love, love is this infinite reality. And so to grow in love is almost like going to the beach 
and paddling towards the horizon. You know, getting on a surfboard and paddling towards the horizon, right? Um, you're never going to get one inch closer to the horizon and that gap is going to stay there. That's the same as growing in love. And so sometimes it's easy to get frustrated or to, to experience a sense of spiritual sloth where it's like, oh, Jesus isn't worth it. I'm not getting anywhere. This is where Dan Sullivan gap in the gain can be really helpful. It's helpful in any area in your life. But whenever you focus on where you are compared to where you think you should be, you're in the gap and you'll never feel good about that. You won't have the joy that God wants you to have in your life as you grow. So the gift that you want to give to yourself, and this isn't just a spiritual application, you can put this on anything, is, is you always want to measure backwards. So to use my illustration, if I'm paddling towards the horizon on a surfboard, it's not going to look like I'm getting anywhere unless I simply turn back and see how far I've gotten from the beach. So when we think about spiritual formation, it's the, the wrong question. If you're not, you know, I always love Shrek. If you remember Shrek too, you had the funny scene when they were traveling and Donkey starts going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? When you ask that question, are we there yet? You're in the gap. So the question for us spiritually, and this was a really powerful lesson for me in 2021. It's not, am I there yet? It's how far can I get? Give yourself the freedom of that. And again, I really recommend the book Gap and the Gain. Uh, it's Again, it's for business leaders. It has applications for your family, for your spiritual life. And they cover quite a bit of that in the book itself. But I do want to say that it's written as a leadership book, but it's easy to translate into your spiritual reality. I had the privilege in September of celebrating 10 years of knowing uh, my wife, Astrid. We've been married almost for, uh, almost for um, uh, nine years, it'll be this summer, but we, we met, we, uh, we were celebrating 10 years of actually knowing each other back in September. And so we go on a date and one of the things I wanted to do is like, let's go back to where we met. I met her at a Panera, our very first date was, was having coffee. And so uh, we went had a nice meal, and I said, let's for dessert, let's go back to Panera. And I was going to get there really about the same time. I met her about 6.40 p.m. on a September night back in 2021. And uh, what, what was amazing is uh, when we pull into Panera, uh, it was kind of funny. Um, Panera was closed for repairs, the Panera that we met us. So that was kind of a bummer. And then at the same time, our tire pressure light came on in our in our Honda Civic and it was saying you know basically we have flat tire I'm like oh boy this is pretty funny uh, so in my romantic evening not only are we not going to be able to go to the Panera but now I have to fix a flat tire and but I get out of the car and I was looking I'm like geez I can't even tell which tire is supposed to be flat and I drove to a gas station nearest one and I checked all the air and what was fascinating is there was a tire that was a little bit low it was just down a couple of pounds of air. And it wasn't flat. Matter of fact, I didn't have to get a new tire. It just happened to be down and this light came on and it's something and it clicked on me. And I'm like, wow, this tire pressure light is so sensitive in the Civic that it's coming on way in advance of actually having a flat tire. 
And I thought, wow, that's a great metaphor for our spiritual life and our spiritual practices. And I began to ask myself, wow, what are what would be my tire pressure light or check engine light or it's time to get an oil change light? What do I have in my life from a spiritual perspective that goes off way in advance of me feeling overwhelmed, burned out, or let alone starting to backslide back into negative practices that perhaps I wasn't in my past. You know, for me, it's it's pretty straightforward. I can I use my journal every single day, and I've talked about my journaling practices in some of my other videos, but I can look as a spiritual check engine light, I can see how much I journaling I do. And I've noticed when I'm going through difficult times, I may on, you know, like on one page have like four or five days all on one page. Now that's fine sometimes, but what that means is I'm really not journaling. And I can also look, I always record, did I do my centering prayer? Uh, what scriptures am I reading? Um, how am I doing on the inside? What are my what am I grateful for? And if I notice that I'm not doing those things, that's the light going off that something's wrong and I need to reinvest in my own formation. So look at your own life. You know, this may be um, a group, a small group that you participate in where you are holding each other to your goals and watching over each other's souls. It may just be a good friend. It could be your your partner could be your journal, but what, what would be your check engine light that would go off well in advance of you entering into a time of, um, of, of struggle and hardship in your spiritual life? So that was an idea that in 2021 that to me really resonated with me. This is another December 2021 when I had my real breakthrough. And, and my breakthrough was was pretty simple. It's that you know, I need to trust more, which includes recognizing deep down on the inside that I literally am enough and that I'm loved unconditionally. And I had that experience. I got that gift that I just felt completely loved. And again, I've experienced something like that before, but I really felt like I've been freed from that nagging thought you're just not good enough. You're not enough. You don't do enough. You don't have enough. I call that the unholy trinity. And I'll be doing a podcast on that. The, 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 the negative and depleting work that fear, shame, and guilt inflict upon us. I got some real freedom from those things. And as soon as I felt my heart open which is where the surrender part comes in now and the trust part comes in, I started looking and seeing other people differently. Again, those of you who know me, I'm known as the mission guy. I wrote a whole book on missional hermeneutics called Realigning with God. I have my book Invitation where I talk about how the entire narrative of Scripture is empowering us to be Jesus' hands, feet, and mouthpieces. So I've always known that we need to be other-focused, but i got this marvelous vision that I try now when I see another person. I try to see the one person with 10,000 people behind them. With the idea that every person that we meet probably over the course of their lifetime is going to be touching 10,000 others. 
And so I want to be an ambassador of God's abundance to every single person I meet. That's always been what I've said. But to do that, I visualize that person in the 10,000 people that they're going to touch. And I got to tell you, uh, it's hard to be rude to someone when you realize that your touch at this moment might influence 10,000 people. It's hard to be impatient. Um, it's even more opening. You know, this is easy with people that you like, but when you get into a difficult situation, how are you going to react to a person that's having a bad day that's dumping it on you? Well, I want to see that person that's struggling in front of me also is with the 10,000 people behind them. And perhaps the way that I interact with that person the way that I represent God's love, the way that I extend to them that, hey, you are enough. You do enough. You have enough. God loves you unconditionally. If I can engage every person with that, moment by moment, then I'm living as a clue that points other people to the true reality of this world, the good news of the gospel. So that vision of the 10,000 was a, another profound lesson that I've had this, uh, this year. And I've been a big fan of the Jesus prayer for a long time. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I usually, if, if you've listened to my instructions on how to do centering prayer, uh, I usually say start with the Jesus prayer. So I've had this for a long time. And then there's another prayer that I've known about since I think at least 1996. I heard Maxie Dunham share this. It's a prayer from a, a Roman Catholic spiritual writer named Macrina Viterkare. It's really powerful. It's, Oh God, help me believe the truth about myself no matter how beautiful it is. And it's one of those surprise prayers. And so one of my lessons for this year was thinking about those two prayers and using them in unison. Because as we move in our spiritual lives, as we seek to become the people that God created us to be, as we desire to serve others as ambassadors of abundance, there's two things that are always going to be true about us. And those prayers get at it. The Jesus prayer reminds us that we're always going to need God's grace. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. A lot of us resonate with that. It's a very evangelical sounding message. But we don't want to stop with that. We're always going to be people in need of grace. But we also need to hold on to that optimism about what God intends for each one of us. Because God created each one of us carefully, or as the psalmist says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're all persons loved by God. We're God's beloved. And each one of us has gifts and talents that if we could release those into the world, we would be agents for good. And that second prayer reminds us of who we really are. Oh, God, help me believe the truth about myself, no matter how beautiful it is. So I've made a daily practice to pray both of those prayers. Yeah, I'm always going to need God's grace. 
but God also remind me of who I really am, the true beauty that I'm your beloved. And then you can play around with the prayers. And so like it could be Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, your child. And that was a deep lesson from 2021. And then the question becomes, how do you make some of these things stick? How do we come, become persons who, as I, one of my favorite lines is, live by faith, be known by love, and be voices of hope? How do we become persons that remember you know, each day to look in a mirror and say, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Trust, surrender, and walk your path. How is it that we can be mindful so that we show up, pay attention, and know that God has way more invested in this than any of us do individually. I think this is where our brain chemistry comes in. A lot of times we talk about neuroplasticity and, and our brain, and you can you see this, we get ourselves almost into trances where we're on autopilot. So, you know, you go the same way in your car and like if you don't pay attention, you can just kind of automatically drive to work without even thinking about it, right? And you know, like, geez, how did I get here? And sometimes you'll be going somewhere else, but you're on autopilot and you start driving a different direction. So our brains are like that. And so when you get new insights, and some of these insights that I've had, they may sound simple, but they've really impacted me deeply. And I don't want to go back to not having those at the forefront of my mind and my heart so I can serve other people the way that I believe that I'm called to. So I've come up with these decentering practices, because if we want to change, if we want to continue new habits as we've eliminated older habits, we have to create new paths. We have to create new uh, versions of autopilot that lets us be more mindful. So I've been doing these decentering practices and they're going to sound kind of funny, but I'm going to tell you they've really helped me. So like one of the things I've been doing, I walk almost every day in my neighborhood. Sometimes I go to parks. But what I've been doing is reversing the usual walk that I do. I've been trying to go to the other side of the road of when I, even if I'm doing a similar walk, I've been trying to just randomize the walk by taking different turns as I go through my neighborhood, simply because I don't want to just simply go the way that I've always gone because the old Brian walked that way. So I've been decentering my walks. I've been trying new food and new flavors, even if I don't think I'm going to like it, just simply to expand my palate. Again, if I want a new life with new habits, I'm going to model that even the way I eat. Again, do I have my favorite foods? Of course, but I'm trying some new things. So I go to a restaurant and the old version always get the same thing. I have a favorite restaurant, so I'm going to get what I always get. I've tried to just go and order something slightly different, just as a way to decenter. Been listening to different music. Well, a lot of times I don't even listen to music. So I've been making myself listen to music and listen to music that I've been unfamiliar with. Again, as a way to decenter and create new pathways. I think I'm giving you some tips on that. But if you want to create a new habit and have them stick in 2022, support that new habit by creating some new neuro pathways, by decentering yourself from your old methods of centering yourself. 
the last thing I want to share in this looking back over 2021 key learnings um, is, again, I want to thank everybody for uh, supporting my book, Centering Prayer, uh, Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life. And it came out in September, and obviously I talk a lot about it on the podcast, but it was a blessing. And the lesson that I learned about that book is I made a promise to myself a couple of years ago that I was never going to write anything else unless I felt 100% invested in it and it felt risky. Again, I'm not repudiating any of my other writings. I've loved doing my Bible studies, the curriculum stuff, my book, Realigning with God, Invitation, my PhD dissertation, super proud of all those things. But in some ways, those books were easy and came out of the wheelhouse. My Centering Prayer book, I didn't even intend to write it, let alone publish it. It was a collection of, of really just words that grew to enough that it was a book of me reflecting on the work that God had done in my life through my practice of Centering Prayer. And those of you who read my book know I'm fairly transparent, so I'm not just writing a generic book on how to do Centering Prayer. I put in that book the things that I wish I would have known when I started, some of my own struggles, even some of the real pain in my life. And I have to share this. Um, I wondered if I was risking too much by being as open and transparent about some of my, same, some of my struggles that I've had. And I was scared to actually publish it. But what's been a real blessing is I've gotten so much feedback from people who like the book precisely that I risked sharing myself. Again, I'm sure not everybody's going to like the book, but I already feel like I followed what God wanted me to do because I've got enough feedback from people that it, it's really served. And I have to say this, by surrendering that, it's back to my word for next year, it made the whole book writing process a joy because, you know, running a book, the writing's kind of the fun part. Then you got to edit and edit and edit. You have to work, worry about um, how to market it, how to, you know, continue to kind of let keep it in people's minds. And that can be work sometimes. But I have to say, every step of the book has been a blessing. I've been amazed and how many new friends I've made through inviting them on my podcast. And I've had a, just, a, I think, like 40 different podcasters now have let me come onto their podcast and just share about Centering Prayer and what God's done in my life. And it's been a blessing. So I just want to encourage you. This isn't me bragging about my book. Proud of it. But don't be afraid to do that uncomfortable thing that you sense you're supposed to do, surrender that. Trust God can walk your path. Hope this has been really helpful and served you. Thank you again for being my listener, and may you have an abundant 2022. I can't wait to come back and do a similar episode at the beginning of 2023. I hope you'll take the time and give yourself the gift of reviewing your last year and then thinking ahead, where would, you know, ask yourself, where would I love to be one year from now that if I was there, I would feel really good about my progress and growth. If I can serve you in any way, feel free to reach out, deepdivespirituality at gmail.com. 
Again, I'd love for you to take a look at my book, Centering Prayer, Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life. Subscribe to this podcast, or the if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel, and you can get some of my other content. Um, and again, just grateful, and I look forward to serving you well to the best of my ability over the next 12 months and longer, and uh, look forward to the growth and the work that God's going to continue to do in my life, and I'm grateful that you're on the same path too. Live by faith, be known by love, and be a voice of hope to others.